Just to thank everybody for coming along today. It's, um, it's really, really good that you're here because we are the family of God. So I haven't got a clue what I'm doing today. <laughs> That's all right. But I was praying last night and I said, Lord, I just need one word from you for your wonderful people today. I just need one word. You just need a word from God. And the word was relationship. Where's Luke gone? Ah, he's up there. Relationship was what he said. Relationship. Because we have a a wonderful God who wants to communicate with you. And he's made every provision in the Old Testament, the New Testament, through all the apostles and the prophets and the saints and He's made every provision for us today in 2017 here in Seven Hills in Park Road, gathered together here on the whatever of February, what are we up to? Because he wants to reveal himself to you because he loves you and he wants you in his family, not to be slaves, that song that we just sang, but he wants us to be in his family. And he sealed you with his Holy Spirit. And he wants to communicate with you. Levi, with you, he wants to communicate with you. He does. Because you're his son. He wants to communicate with you. And I love reading the lives of the saints. Not that I get a lot of opportunity to do it. To read the word of God. Because... It's about real people, people who messed up really badly. This is Psalm 9. King David wrote this, song, wrote, wrote this psalm. And up the top it says uh, it was written to the tune of the death of the son. Have you ever read that above Psalm 9 before? That's what's written above there. So I wonder what was going on in David's life when he wrote this psalm. So we know that one of his sons did die and we know that one of his sons rebelled against him. You know, I'm not going to go into the story of King David, but he had a fairly coloured life. But this is what he says. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. That's what he says. And I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. And I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. So we can come and sing a song and we can proclaim the Psalms like that. But I think David had a knowledge that you and I don't have. I mean, if I put myself in his shoes when supposedly he's just lost his son and he can say something like that, to me that's born of God, to me that's supernatural, that's not natural. To me that he has a knowledge that, and in the Old Testament, by the way, too, he has a knowledge that the Spirit gave him and that same knowledge of who God is And how wonderful he is. God wants us to have that knowledge too. So how do we get a knowledge like that? Sorry, you were all with me. Some of us are yawning. Don't know who it is. We're not going to. Don't yawn. (laughs) Okay. So please, if you've got questions, put your hand up and ask. Okay. Because this is what I'm about to talk about. What I think I'm about to talk about is a very difficult subject. I don't understand it myself. I'm just trying to give you the little bit that I understand, okay? But if I look at David, an extraordinary, well, he was an extraordinary person. He's done more things than you and I have done, put together. But he can, he's got a knowledge in the spiritual realm that God wants to give us also. And we're New Testament people. David was Old Testament. You with me? What is that knowledge? It's a supernatural knowledge that David knew in his being. He had a knowing 
I was supposed to be giving a talk about the soul, okay? <laughs> so God obviously has to work with our soul. Now, Paul can help me here and Paul over here can help me a little bit more. Um, to understand who we are and how we function. Okay, so we look to um, the fathers of the church who are very well practiced in this area. Um, and we look to the word of God. We look to the tradition of the church to give us understanding, okay, of who we are. So I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't know about you, but if I go to a mechanic, I totally trust that mechanic because he's studied. He's going to know how to fix my car. Okay. If, um, if there's something physically wrong with me and I go to the doctor, I'm going to totally trust that doctor because he's studied, okay, that he's going to be able to fix me up. I don't have to question. When it comes to spiritual things, we have spiritual doctors in the church, okay, who have studied, who have experimented, who have prayed, who have worked with people through the centuries. We have the word of God and we have the teachings of the church to help us understand who we are. Everybody with me? So I value the people, the saints, the prophets, the apostles who have gone before us, giving us revelation and understanding so we can live um, in this time um, with all the authority that we need for this time. Everyone okay with that? So I really value the church fathers. I really value the teachings of the church and what's been passed down in the church. And this is what the church fathers teach, basically. Okay. So we are, uh, we, we, we are tripartite. We have, in, we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. We live in two worlds. We live in the spiritual world, the supernatural and we live in the natural world. And so it's what, what's this called? Being naturally supernatural. Is that what we're being? Which is the right word. That's right. Because we're both. We're, we're, we're natural and we're supernatural. Um, and, and so God breathed life, gave us life, breathed life into Adam and Eve. And they had life in their spirit. So in our spirit, our spirit is the very place that we have the source of life. And if we didn't have that source of life by God's will and by his love, we wouldn't exist. So it doesn't matter what we do. Even if we go to hell, we are not obliterated. We exist. It's God's will that holds us in existence. That's God's spirit in us. That's, Joe was speaking about that this morning. The very breath of life is in us because God holds us in existence by his will and by his love in our spirit. We are also, that's born of God, okay? Our spirit, we all have individual spirits, okay? Uh, God created male, female. We're all individual. We're all gifted in different ways. We have different dispositions. We all have our own individual spirit. But you are held in existence because God's love and his will holds you there. Everyone okay with that? Okay. So we just don't want to exist, do we? No, we don't want to exist. We really want to have life. Okay, and so God creates us in his image and likeness because he's a personal being. He's relational. And so he creates us in his image, meaning that he gives us a soul which is eternal. Our soul is eternal. And our soul is where we have an intelligence and where we have a will. God is an intelligent personal being. God has a will. God is about knowledge and love. And we have that. He, he seals us and marks us in his image to, to know and to love. And we do that in our spiritual soul. Okay, so the church fathers teach 
even though in Thessalonians it's spirit, soul, and body, but the church fathers teach that um, our spirit is a soul and our soul is a spirit. Because if we, if, if we, if God's dwells in us, in our spirit, and we just exist, are we intelligent beings? Are we knowing beings? And are we loving beings from our will and our intellect? No. And so that's why you're following me. Please put your hand up if you're not following me. Okay. You're right, Dom? Sorry? Okay. So we're, so, okay. So, so our, our spirit, our spirit is soul and our soul is spirit. You can't separate the two. Okay? That there's a union there. Okay? Because God wants to, God wants to reveal and communicate to us his great love. He wants us to be his sons and his daughters. He wants to give us that knowledge that David had about him. Okay, you're not going to learn it in a book. You're not going to learn it from anybody else. He wants to communicate that to you by his spirit. And it cannot be communicated to you unless you're a thinking person, unless you're a person who has a free will. And that's what makes us different from any other animal. We're created in the image of God that cannot be changed. It's changeless. In the image of God, you are changeless. But in our spiritual soul, we do grow in love and knowledge, depending on what we give our will to, whether we are recipients of that love, or we can decrease in that love and knowledge, depending on what we give our will to. But, but in, in, in our um, nature, that part of you cannot be changed because you are created in the image of God. It cannot be changed. Even if we go to hell, that cannot be changed. You with me? Okay. So we have a spiritual soul. So we are created immortal because we are born of God. That part of us cannot be changed. You live forever. Good news. We live forever. So we're all very, very young. But we are also born of Adam and Eve. If you read Genesis 5, it says Seth was born of born in his father's image. So remember I said we're supernatural and natural. Okay, so this is our natural side. So our soul, as Joe was speaking about also this morning, our soul is born of hum- humanity. It's born of it's born of the flesh also. Okay? Cuz we're sons of God, but we're also sons of Adam. And I'm using the term sons Okay, women, please understand. Sons meaning you are the firstborn and you inherit. That's the biblical understanding. Okay, we're children of God. Okay, so we're born of, we're born of Adam also. And when we're born of Adam, as Joe was explaining this morning, like we're created perfect, absolutely perfect. There is nothing wrong with us. No bad genes. There's no bad genes. We're created male. Female, perfect in God, born of God, eternally, immortal, but also born of Adam. Okay, and so then when we're born into this world, okay, we are born with the potential to sin. We are born with potential in passions which affect our soul. With me? I'm not going to read the story of Adam and Eve, okay, but I'm just going to make some points about Adam and Eve. Please put your hand up if you're not following me because I'd rather you do that if I'm not making myself understood. Okay. Okay, so the story of Adam and Eve is there 
to help us understand why we think the way we think today and why we behave the way we behave. Because we're born into a fallen world with fallen parents, as Joe spoke about this morning, and we all have a fallen nature when we're born into this world. Okay, so we're born in the natural and we need supernatural grace in order to have a relationship with God, to have knowledge like David had knowledge. Okay? So when we're born into this world, okay, there obviously is, as in the story of Adam and Eve, there's mistrust, there's unbelief, there's disobedience, there's denial, there's guilt, there's shame, there's blame, there's flight. Okay, these are just a couple of things, and you might relate to these. This is what Adam and Eve had to face, and this is what we face today in our souls. We're tempted not to trust in God's character and goodness. Does that ring a bell with anyone? We're always tempted not to trust in God's goodness. We're always looking at, well, we're always seeing things through our own distorted way. We're always looking at trying to work out things in our own wisdom. And that's what we do in the natural. In the natural, we're ignorant of who God is and we're ignorant of who we are in God. And that's what we do in that. We're not trusting in God's goodness because we don't really know God from our spirits. Okay. And if we look at, if we look at David or Peter or Paul in the scriptures, you know, they, they had a big long journey to come to a place of knowing who God was in their life. Joe and I have had a big, long journey of coming to know who God is in our lives. And you're very young and you're on the journey of knowing who God is in your life. But everyone has to journey. Okay. And, you know, we don't belittle uh, your family life or belittle your response to God in any way. But it's our heart as spiritual parents, it's our heart to see you journey well and to see you come to have this spiritual knowledge of who God is in your life and not to be um, robbed in not knowing the goodness of God. And, and you have your choices in life. You know, you might choose rightly, you might choose wrongly. But in, in the journey, on the journey, hopefully you come to know the goodness of God. The second thing is, is that um, we all do this. Um, we believe um, certain lies about God. We believe lies about ourselves. Uh, we believe lies about um, authority um, we believe lives about um, other people. And, uh, and, and when we do that, we become very independent people, again, depending on ourselves, wanting to sort things out, fix things up for ourselves. And then that lie then reinterprets life for us. And then we set up a little belief system of how we're going to run our life. And that's when we start to form our own wisdom, where, our, where we direct our affection or redirect our affection to whatever is safe. And we start to have self-determination in our own self-knowledge. And everybody does this, by the way. God gives us a particular disposition. God gives us a certain intelligence. God gives us certain emotional abilities. Everybody's different. And when things don't go our way, as Joe said this morning, we are all, um, we're all made to receive love and to give love. And when we don't receive love in the way we should receive love, we all respond in different ways 
okay, to get that love. And this is where our mind and our wills are not, you know, God is not our object, but we become, we become um, self-supporting, we become independent to make sure that we get that love. And when we do that, we're redirecting our affection from God to ourselves or to whatever it is that we need to get that love. And this, everybody does this, everybody. But we do it at a subconscious level. We don't sort of sit up on the rooftops and say, this is what we're going to do. Okay, Everybody does this. And this is why it's wonderful that we're in the family of God. Because in the family of God, we can have knowledge of who we really are. That we're sinners. And that we miss the Lord. That we are independent. That our affections are for ourselves or for whatever. They're not directed to God. God allows us to be on the journey so that we can come to this self-knowledge because this is what it is to be a son and daughter of Adam and Eve. Everybody does it. But if we don't think we have these problems, then we're really in trouble. Okay. Because we need supernatural grace to live life. This is living in the natural. This is living of self. Okay. And so God, self and others and the world are seen in a very distorted way. And uh, God can even be regarded as a rival or an enemy. We fall into disobedience in our own wisdom. And like the prodigal son, we set ourselves up in worldly wisdom on our own means of law of existence in the pigsty. See, when God makes us, when God creates us, in our heart, so our heart is, is, is the very essence of who we are. When you were born, your heart was um, uh, unwritten law. This is how the scripture explains it. Unwritten law. There was unwritten law in your heart. It's like a blank page. Okay. And the scripture says that the Lord wants to write his law on our heart. Remember that? Remember that? In, the, in, the, um, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God promises to give us a new heart, that he will pour his spirit into our life, and that he will write his law on our heart. Okay, so we all need to be born again for that to happen. But what we all do, okay, when we're born, okay, blank, blank page, we write our own law on our own heart. That's what the prodigal son did. So when things don't go our way and we become independent of God, where we're ignorant of who God is and ignorant of who we are in the Father's love, we start to run our life in our own way, which means that we are writing our law on our heart like the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son left his father's house, went and squandered his father's money, squandered that inheritance, ends up in the pig pen, okay, and he sets up a law in the pig pen in order to survive. The pigs get the scraps. He's got to survive in the pig pen. And I used to love Father Thomas Hopke. I used to say, you set up politics in the pig pen. You set up social things in the pig pen. Everything's set up in the pig pen. You're with me in the pig pen? We're all in the pig pen. And that's where we write our law, on our hearts in the pig pen. Now, is that supernatural life? No. We need a saviour. And that's when God promised, I will give you a new spirit and I will write my law on your heart so that you can live life in me. But when we choose to live in the pig pen, with our law written on our heart, that law is sowing to sin and death. And that death means it's a spiritual death. It's not that you're physically dead. It's a spiritual death where you don't have life in your spirit. Because we have a free will. Remember, we're created in God's image to know and to will and to love. Okay? And so if I'm choosing to go this way, with my law written on my heart and I'm sowing to sin 
which is death, I'm not choosing life in God, in my spirit. And so I'm decreasing in love and knowledge of God. You got me? Okay. And so it's only by God's grace, okay, and I've said this before, that there are two very important things that are necessary for our salvation, totally unequal but very important, God's grace and my will. Okay, so God is always initiating love. He's always initiating a relationship with me. He's always calling me forth. And we can hear him anywhere in any situation. But when I yield my will to him, this is repentance. Chris Noon's good at this. You turn from here to here. And I start to come back to life in God. Repentance is turning, coming back home. I start to listen to the voice of God. I start to receive that life. And faith comes from hearing the word of God. That's why a day like today is really important because you're hearing the word of God. Okay, anybody got any questions up till now? This is what we all do. We all write our own law on our own hearts. It's that law that sin and death, not God's law. God's law is always life. We get this mixed up. God's law is always life. God's law is there to protect you, to nurture you, to upbuild you. God's law is never wrong. Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus Christ fulfills the law. What leads me to sin and death is me in the pig pen with my law written on my heart. That's what sin and death. Okay? Yes, Steve. So when we write our law on our hearts, what does that do to the union of the soul and the spirit? Thank you. Okay. So what do you think it does? Okay, so okay, so let's come back to, sorry, I didn't say this. So our soul, did I say this? Our soul consists of our intellect, our will, and our emotions. Okay, and so when I'm writing my own law on my own heart, where is my mind? It's centered on self, isn't it? It's centered on self-protection. Okay, so is it in union with the spirit of God? Is, it, is my mind then in union with my spirit? No, and it's certainly not in union with God's spirit because that's not God's will. Okay, um, that's my mind. What about my emotions? If I'm writing my own law on my own heart, okay, am I like David here, praising God from joy? No. He's pretty unhappy in the pig pen, I think. Okay, so emotions are going this way, mind's going that way. His will, well, he's just choosing a downward spiral. And so the church fathers say that there's, there's a war going on within our soul, a civil war. And so there's dysfunction, there's disunion. Okay, there's... So the mind's going this way, the emotions are going that way, the will's going another way, and it's just an unhappy state of affairs. Okay, but the Spirit of God is about relationship and union and integrity. Integrity meaning that there's peace, that there's rest, that there's oneness, that those three faculties function together in union, not fighting against one another. Okay. So um, let me explain this. So in the, in the mind, the mind is the place where we receive truth or we reject truth, where we receive reality or reject reality. It's the place where... You know, obviously, we have to give mental assent to what is truth. 
I'm giving mental assent to that chair. I can say that chair is safe enough for me to sit on. I trust it. Here we go. I gave mental assent to that chair. Okay? Because that's what we have to do. God's made us intelligent beings to work things out. Okay, and the wonderful thing is with science and with spiritual principles, we are discovering the truth of God. I love it. It's always been there, but we're discovering it. That's what happens because we give mental assent. Okay, so the mind gives mental assent. The will chooses. This is what happens in the soul. So I can have mental assent that that chair is safe to sit on. The nature of that chair is strong enough to hold my weight. I can sit on that chair, but I'll choose not to sit on it. I can know the truth about it, but I choose not to sit on it. So it's the will, okay, and this is, it's the will. It's God's will that holds you in existence. The will is uh, the higher part of the soul. It's the will that has to be yielded to God. See, we can, ha- we be, we can have conviction in our mind but still not choose it. And that's what we do a lot of the time. We hear the word of God. We come and praise the Lord. Then we walk out the door. We know the truth. We've heard the truth, but we don't choose it. We choose to do other things. Okay, so the mind, the will, and then there's another part of the soul. And this is what the church fathers talk about. They call, it, they call it the excitable part of the soul. It can be the emotions, but it's, it's fed by the emotions. Okay, so what, what fuels the mind and the will is your passion to do something. Okay, so Joe and I do what we do. You know, you fly on those planes and you're tired and you're, but we've got a passion to preach the gospel. It's the passion that drives us. I don't have much to offer, but it's the passion to see souls saved. It's a passion. And so what fuels my mind and my will is this passion. Now, that's a good passion. Okay, so we are born with wrong passions also. Lust can fuel me to make a choice. That's a wrong passion, but it's still fueling my mind and my will. Anger can fuel my mind and will to do something wrongly. Greed can fuel my mind and will. Lethargy, not much fueling there is there when there's lethargy northern boredom uninterested but it's fueling my mind and my will to do nothing so that's the soul we've got to work with okay so passions okay are very very important because it gives us the energy to do something so sometimes i know if i'm up here praying with somebody okay and i just all of a sudden i just get this anointing to do something i'm surprised with what it is that i do out there boom 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 boom. i know it's not me i'm being fueled by something it's the spirit of god but also to it's my passion god works with again it has to work with our will to do something passion But what's really important, okay, what's really important are the virtues to fuel our mind and our will. Okay, in Corinthians, the most important virtues where God is our object is faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Faith, okay, and so um, we have faith which is an infused virtue into our spirit, into our spiritual soul, where we have a knowledge in our mind, okay? And it might not make sense, but we have a knowledge in our mind that this is what we have to do. 
And you know of many examples where we've had to work in faith. Getting this building, getting that land, going to Malta. It's faith. Faith. Faith in the mind. Okay. And then the two other virtues, hope and love, are, are infused into the will. And so I can have a passion to come and speak to you today. And I can have faith to speak to you today. But if I don't have love in my will to speak to you today, I'm lacking something. Okay, so this is how the soul works. So there's an infusion into your spiritual soul, not born of you, but because you're eternal, because God loves you, because he dwells in you, okay, he gives you these virtues to build his kingdom. So that there's union, union in here. And so we can proclaim the good news. We can honor God by word and deed. And we can make disciples. That's a long way to answer your question. <laughs> okay. Are we all, all okay? All with me? Any questions? Or following? Okay. All right. So how are we going for time? All right. So um, I won't say any more about um, how we are in our dysfunction, but you, you, you all get the drift, okay? So the most important thing is is that when we walk with the Lord, you will be you will begin to see, you will begin to have knowledge of who you are in God. I have many many people who talk to me and tell me how bad they are. This is happening and. Look at how terrible I am and this is what I did. And I said, well, praise God. You're in the best place you've ever been in. Really? I feel terrible. Nothing about feelings. It's all about you having a knowledge of who you are in God. And when you can see the bad things about yourself, do you think that's God loving you? Of course it is. I've got, I always tell you about my grandchildren. I tell you about my grandchildren throwing temper tantrums. They've got to see that that's wrong. I'm not offended by them throwing temper tantrums, but they've got to see that it's wrong so that they can start to act from their mind and their will to turn back from sin and to turn to the Lord. And there has to be repentance. We need a saviour. We need someone to save us out of that slavery action into the kingdom of God to be family. Okay. How are we all going? Self-knowledge. So that's the beginning. It really is the beginning of the spiritual life is having self-knowledge. And we have self-knowledge of how we relate to people, how people relate to us, the things that we say, the things that we do, what motivates our heart. And, and God wants to speak to us. He wants to communicate with us because he doesn't want us with our own law written on our heart. He wants his law written on our heart. And that just brings me to a couple of things that I want to say. I want to talk about a few more virtues that help us along the way. And they're gifts, actually. These are gifts given to us. This is from Isaiah 11, given to us as we... Um, as we walk with the Lord, as his presence is with us, he gives us every provision to live the life. And I need every provision. I need every gift that I can have to live the life. Now, I might walk in these gifts all the time, but I certainly want them available to me. So, again, let's come back to the soul. Remember, the soul is the intellect and the will and the emotions. But the, the higher parts of the soul, as the church fathers speak, uh, is the intellect and the will. The emotions are neither here nor there, okay? Uh, emotions are very important, okay, but they don't run our lives. As Joe said, most of us are emotional beings, make decisions from there, but most of us, which is not right, 
Okay, so we have to learn to function from our intellect and from our will. Okay, and so God gives us understanding in the intellect. Okay, and so if I have self-knowledge about my sin, I really need to have understanding about myself. Because if I don't have understanding about myself, I'm going to condemn myself. If I've had a, a father um, who was unkind to me and, dis, uh, and, and, not, and distant and um, un, not affectionate and whatever, um, I have to be able, in the Holy Spirit, this is a gift in the Holy Spirit, I have to be able to move out of my self-centeredness and poor me, self-pity me, whatever, and I have to be able, by the presence of God, lift myself to put myself in my father's shoes with understanding so that I can forgive him and so that I can honour him. I'm just going to divert a little bit here, if this is okay. Um, honouring is really very, very important. When, when we... When we are able to see what God has done in our life, like David did from Psalm 9, when he was able to see what God did in his life, even though his life was a mess, but when he could see the goodness of God in his life and what God had done, he had a heart of gratitude. And he was able to honour God and praise God and thank God. Let's just come down to a practical level. When we can look at our parents with understanding this gift of the Holy Spirit and we have um, the grace not to look at the negative but look at the positive and we can see that we have life because they have sacrificed or laid down their life. Okay, we'll just put all the negatives on the side there but we're just looking at the positive our soul, uh, the gratefulness within us, you know, we become grateful people. So thanksgiving begins to rise within our soul. And that's a gift of God. We start to be thankful instead of being critical and negative. Okay, so when we're grateful because we can see what they've done, then we start to honour. You with me? And, and this is really important in our community because if we don't do that, we're not going to have generations in the community. Adriana mentioned that I told a story when we were in Malta. I told that story now. Um, when, when Joe's father lived in Malta back during the Second World War, he worked in the dockyards and Malta was bombed daily Okay, because it was a strategic naval place in the middle of the Mediterranean. And Joe's father worked in the dockyards. And when the bombers came over, Joe's father, Edgar, and his colleagues used to go from one dock to the other dock through a tunnel to see the dogfighting, that's what they called it, of the planes in the sky. Silly thing to do that, but that's what they did. Can't understand it, but that's what they did. So they'd, I'd be getting under shelter as much as I could. So they go through this tunnel and we were showing everybody this tunnel when we were there. So we'd go through this tunnel and then they came to the sea where they could look at the dog fights. The, the... And one day they were going through the tunnel and Edgar heard a voice say, don't go. And he dismissed it and kept going. And he heard the voice again, don't go, dismissed it again. Heard the voice again, don't go. He said, Lord, is that you? So Edgar immediately obeyed the word of God. He said to his friends, his colleagues, we shouldn't go. And they just totally ignored him and they went to watch the dog fight. Edgar went back through the tunnel to the other dog. They were all killed. So I honour Edgar for his obedience to God. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Edgar. See, so I can honour him because I'm grateful for what he did. It's evidence. It's a reality. And this is what we have to do 
we have to we have to experiment. We've got to look at the evidence. Please look at the evidence in the scriptures. God's given you an intelligence. Just don't accept things. Okay. Be intelligent, thinking, studying people. I can that's evidence. That's what Edgar did. Then Joe went to Malta when he was 17. As the eldest son, he had the responsibility of going back to Malta to make a decision uh, whether the family here in Australia was going to go back to Malta to live. Now, at 17 years of age, Joe prayed about that massive decision he had to make. And he believed God spoke to him and the Lord said, come back to Australia. Now, I honour Joe for his obedience to God. I'm so grateful that he said yes to God. I'm grateful to Joe. There's evidence, okay, there's evidence of what Joe has done to give all of us here life. So I'm grateful. And when I'm grateful, I honour. But if I look at the negative things of Edgar, I don't know what they are, or the negative negative things of Joe, I can be critical, judgmental, tearing down, ungrateful, no relationship. See what I'm saying? Okay. So when we have understanding, when we have evidence of what somebody has done, we're grateful. That builds the body of Christ. That's what builds down through the generations. And you see, Joe has a mantle because of his obedience. It hasn't come from God. It's come down through the generations. Mantles come down through the generations. You want a mantle? Honor. Be grateful. Serve. Find someone to serve. When we were in London, we went from London down to Ramsgate to get a prayer from that man. I want what that man has. Boldness in the kingdom of God. I want that. I went, we went two hours down there just to meet that Indian priest. Because I'm hungry for God. I want that anointing. Hands laid. That's how we get it. Now, I can kick and scream and say, God, I want that. Scott, did you ask this question? I want that gift. But how we get the gift is that we honour the man. We honour our father. We honour the previous generation. We honour the Jewish people. That's how we get the mantle. Okay? And this all comes from understanding in the mind. You with me? Okay. Uh, The next one in the intellect is wisdom. Uh, You know, we need wisdom for many, many things. And I can tell you many stories, I won't go into it now, where, you know, we've really, you know, we've, we've walked a very, very fine line of knowing which way to go. What do we do here, Lord? And God just gives you wisdom. It's amazing. So it's wisdom in the intellect. You know, you'd never read it in a book. You'd, you'd never think it up in your imagination. But just a word spoken from God, wisdom to know how to go and what to say and what to do. Okay, knowledge in the intellect. Um, I've already spoken about that. We have self-knowledge, knowledge of who we are, knowledge of who God is. That can only come by the Spirit of God. Counsel, counsel in the intellect, how to counsel people, how to speak to people, how to be temperate in the way we speak to people, how to be prudent in the way we speak to people, how to have filter, how to love. And then in the will, we need holiness in the will, which means that we are set apart unto God. And it's holiness that, that is, is the passion that drives us in, in what we choose. And so wherever we are, whether we're being watched or not watched, that we honour the name of God in our behaviour, in our attitude, in our speech. Because we have to answer to God. 
holiness in our will, that we're choosing holiness. Fortitude in our will. We need fortitude. We need that strength in our will that I, that, that I, that I actually stand up and speak the word of God. And, and, and you, my dear brothers and sisters, have to do that more than Joe and I had to do that when we, you know, when we were at university or when we were, we were your age. The fortitude to stand up and speak the truth for who God is. Now, and you do it with prudence. You do it with love. You need all these virtues to live the life that God is calling you to live. But we need that fortitude. And the last one is fear of the Lord um, in, 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 our, in our will also, where I have a relationship with the Lord that I wouldn't dare hurt him. I wouldn't dare misrepresent him. There's an intimacy. There's um, a permanence in my relationship with the Lord that he is with me all the time. And Luke, practicing the presence of God. This is how we practice the presence of God. With these virtues, this is that. I'm not choosing my written law, but I'm choosing in obedience God's law which is always encouraging and upbuilding and nurturing and giving life. And that's what I practice. I practice hearing that voice. I practice honoring him because I know what he does in my life. I'm always remembering his word. I'm remembering what he has done. I'm remembering his goodness. And, and I don't have to conjure it up because it's a relationship that I walk in. And that he lives within me and I can talk to him any time. But more than that, more than that, I know that he has made things right in my life and I can rest in him. And I have a peace in him. And it doesn't matter what happens, that peace is not taken from me because that peace is, um, is evidence that he lives within me. It's not my own peace. Okay, any questions? The mind, the will, the virtues. Pete. So, the idea of the, the fear of the Lord um, has always, like, confused me a bit. Yeah. Because, like, I don't think, like, within, like, love, I don't yeah. understand how sort of yeah. practical to that. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you'd say you'd fear John. That's right. Because that would be like a... Yes. 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 Good question. Good question. If you read the scriptures, if you read the scriptures, like when the angel came to Mary, or you know, like, um, I don't know how I can say this, but when when there when there's a, 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 a supernatural presence of love, there's awe. You can't stand. <laughs> you just can't stand. There's, there's, there's a, a power, a presence, uh, uh, you know, and the angel had to say, fear not, fear not, fear not. It's not a fear. It's not a natural fear. Okay, it's a supernatural. You do a little study on it, Pete. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, it's a... All I can do is speak of my own experience. It's, it's supernatural. It's not a fear that you're frightened of something, you know, that in the natural that you're frightened of something. But, it's, but it's, it's awe. It's something you've never encountered before. You cannot stand. You cannot stand in that presence. It's so other than what we know in our little minds and in our little worlds. So fear in that sense, and you wouldn't, Dare. <laughs> you wouldn't dare go against it. Because it's so awesome and so holy and so other that you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't dare offend. I don't know if that answers your question. Do, do a little study, but it's not fear that fear that we understand. See, this is the whole thing is that we function in the natural a lot. You know, and what we perceive, what we do, and we think that that's normal, but maybe it is normal. But the Lord wants to shift us into this supernatural realm. You know that that is that it's natural for us to be in that supernatural realm. Okay.
And, and this is the wonderful thing is that you journey. And as you spend time with the Lord, as you pray, as you study the scriptures, as you ponder the scriptures, you know, that you become like Jesus in his humanity. It's a wonderful journey. A good question. Sorry, that's the best I can do. Fear of the Lord, wasn't it? I just because I didn't hear it properly. <laughs> Look again in English, we use words, and you know, language is inadequate to describe certain things. So we use the word the fear, the fear of the Lord. It is different than a fear, you know, of being scared, you know, of the dark or some somebody's going to hit you over the head. It's 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 an awe, and you know, when we use the word awesome, really, that's when we should use the word awesome. Awesome isn't, you know, having a bit of a fun. That's not awesome. Awesome is encountering the supernatural. That's awesome. God is awesome. He's the only one. And, and so it's, 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 it's awesomeness, if I may use a wrong English expression. It's otherworldly. It's, uh, and because we function in the natural 99.9% time, when we do encounter the supernatural... It's frightening in the sense that it's it's unusual. It's different. You can't take it for granted. No, you can't. You can't take it for it's like transfiguration. The transfiguration is an example. Disciples. Disciples. That's in the scripture. So you can go to the scripture and look, and and uh, it, it was awesome. It was otherworldly, and so that's that's kind of the the you know I'm just trying to to give another perspective of trying to understand it's not easy to understand but that's that's sort of another way of trying to um, 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 but I, I can say to you this that I was in New Orleans we were in New Orleans and we were at John Wimber conference and if you like it was the first time I actually experienced this fear of the Lord and you could hear a pin drop it was like a stillness that fell over them fell over the meeting it was hard to describe it it was a stillness and it was like you could hear a pin drop if it was if it did drop because it was it it was um what's the word it was um you think something it was just anyway it was just so it was different. It was like there was a presence there of some other beings, and usually they're angels. In fact, uh, recently I was praying in a situation with someone, and this person said to the person that's being prayed with, because this person has been experiencing things in their bedroom, they're angels. It's God. Don't be frightened. In the, don't be frightened in the wrong sense of the word, because it's actually God visiting you. So it, it, it does conjure up this, you know, um, even in this person, it conjured up fear because they were not certain of what it was. And so it's very hard to explain supernatural things. It's, um, you know, I, and this is what we're trying to say here, being naturally supernatural. To be naturally supernatural is to be a natural person, normal as you are, keep being as normal as you are, but actually that we're encountering, uh, we are supernatural beings and we potentially can experience supernatural things. And the, uh, the prophetic thing and all that, that's just the doorway really, just the beginning to the supernatural life. Um, yeah. You want to... yeah. so, um, so probably just to finish off... Um, so as we, um, as we pray, as we read the scriptures, as we are in fellowship, as we worship, uh, you know, as we live life in, in, in the community, as we are discipled, uh, as we're taught, um, there, there's a, the members, the parts of our soul are being more consecrated to the Lord. And so we, we're learning to hear the voice of God more clearly more definitely, otherwise we're just clouded, we're hearing our own voice and we're, all, we're always a mixture, we're always um, learning and, 
um, but but we're safe in the body of Christ learning. But um, but it's our heart's desire that we continue to journey, that we continue to be redeemed and cleansed and sanctified in our soul so that we are more in union with God and with one another down through the generations where we are disciples so that we can make disciples, so we can function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, giving glory to God, not giving glory to ourselves. So that's the whole point here this morning is just to teach you so that you are aware you know, um, it's no big deal, whatever is in our life, but that we're aware of who we are, that we're aware of our need for God, we're aware of a need for our Saviour, that we do need to be redeemed, cleansed and sanctified so that we truly can be disciples, so that we can make disciples, move in the gifts of the Spirit. That's what it's all about. But if, you're, if your soul is hazy then, you know, you're not going to be hearing the voice of the Lord correctly. You're going to hear your own voice or something else. Okay, so that's the... And, and God will speak to you anyway. <laughs> so I can't say whether, you know, God, God will speak to a donkey. So, But here we're trying to make disciples. We're trying to, you know, we want you in the best place that you possibly can be to give glory to God when you go and make disciples. And that's what we want you to do, make disciples. Okay.